is this? Ah, the French. For what reason? What is the charge? Eating a meal? A succulent Chinese meal? I'm here, Papa! Yippee-ki-yay, Mr. Falcon. First listen to the animal man, the Snoopy Snoopy poop dog. My wife hated me being a firefighter. We were divorced nine months later. If you don't mind my saying, I don't like your attitude one bit. Inspired. Six times I've now ruined my whiskey. I'm under arrest. I'm under what? I just want to do whatever serves the corporation best. And I just want to Gentlemen, this is Democracy Manifest. Recorded live from a private booth in a cantina on Tatooine, it's the World Champion Podcast Groundhog Day Holiday Special. Starring B. Arthur as Brighton, Art Carney as Sean, and Tugboat as Chewbacca's father's brother's nephew's cousin's former roommate. World Champion Podcast, Episode 85, Season 3, Part 2, Episode 13, Star Wars Month, Part 3, Episode 2. It's the Star Wars Holiday Special, a fever dream you have right after eating a pound of fettuccine Alfredo before going to sleep on a sinking rowboat. Hey man, what's up? I don't blame you. I'm scarlet with rage. Of course, as am I. I'm furious. Now you might notice that we uh, we sound a little weird. Not as weird as last week. Yeah, half uh, as weird. Last week we called in sick. Mm-hmm. Senior Oro Del Burro promised us that we would accrue 1.5 hours of sick time per pay period. Right. So last week we took advantage of that. We were both terribly ill. We're still coming out of it. We called in sick. Guess what happens? Well, I, I was nervous about it, but do, do, uh, now looking back, it, he was really kind of happy about it. He, he just, I thought I'd have to kind of argue and say, we really are sick, but he was like, take the day off. Take the whole week off. It was. He was very Rasta about it. Very yeah. iry. Yeah, he was. And so then Friday afternoon when I wake up, I go to refresh my, my podcast application on mm-hmm. my smartphone. Just to make sure there wasn't an episode. And right? there was an episode. There, there was. There was. We were replaced by a couple of sentient droids, 8RY10 and S34N. Yeah, and I, I raced to, the, to my radio and listened to the episode, and it's pretty obvious that's not us. No, those are droids. The, the voices sound super weird. They had excellent points, obviously. Well, they were programmed well. They were programmed based on us, so there might have mm-hmm. been some... Uh, I, I, you know how you're supposed to trademark your own DNA? Right. You're supposed to copyright it? Mm-hmm. I haven't done that. Well, that's our brain. They, they took a, a scan of our neural network, mm-hmm. and they got a, an exact copy. So, like I said, you mean it, I'm not mad at the droids themselves. They had great points. I found them charming and well spoken. Absolutely. But I'm still outraged because that's we're supposed to be the one podcasting. No, I feel like when we did that, when we signed that lucrative contract mm-hmm. to record this podcast, and they took a fingerprint scan, a right. retinal scan, a cheek swab, yeah. a brain scan. And about a quart of blood. Don't forget that. I, oh, I couldn't man. stand up for a half hour. I was so tired. Yeah. Rolling around in that stretch Humvee eating shrimp cocktail and Yoo-Hoo. Right. A quart of blood down. Mm-hmm. It was rough. But now it makes sense. Absolutely. But we have, we're back. We had some words with the senior, and I think we've straightened it out. The rest of the month is definitely, at least the rest of this episode, is definitely going to be us. No droids. It's definitely us, Brighton and Sean. We are both recovering from serious illness, so if I do sound like B. Arthur, that's only because B. Arthur and I share the same birthday. Right. Um, here's a fun fact. Sophia, who played B. Arthur's mom mm-hmm. on Golden Girls, they're only two years apart. Really? Yeah. 
I, th- I think I actually knew that. Of course you did. That's know, the kind know, of thing I we know. know. I know that is the kind of thing I, we're experts at. How to do our day jobs? No. <laughs> yeah. Taxes? I don't understand. I don't know what an APR is. Yeah, even, tr- even having interactions with other human beings. I, my droid does better usually. I go to the doctor and they say, do you have a copay? And I say, what's that? <laughs> Sophia and B. Arthur were only two years apart. Yes. That I got. Snap that right out of that brain. So this is an episode long in the making. You've been demanding it for several years. Our take on the Star Wars holiday special. And of course you know what that is. Of course you do, my friend. You know that it is the made-for-television movie that was released shortly after Star Wars A New Hope in 1978 around Christmas time or Hanukkah time. Except to be non-denominational, it celebrates Life Day. Life Day, yeah. Famously, this has only aired one time on television. No mm-hmm. DVD, no Blu-ray. George Lucas himself hates it. Yes. He is disavowed on knowledge. He said, I had nothing to do with this. I'm sorry. And and, and from what I understand, this is why he's, he was so tight about his properties. It's because he got such a knife in the back about this. Yeah, and we, fair enough. I mean, and, and there are ways to see it here. It's, it's almost at its 40th anniversary. It aired in November of 1978. Yep. So we're on 40 years. There are ways to see it. And what's fascinating is what you're seeing. This is kind of interesting, really. This is like going to see Van Gogh's Starry Night. Mm -hmm. When you watch this, by whatever means you are watching it, you're seeing the original broadcast that only aired that one time and one time only. Right. And and it seems like all the versions I've seen are some kind of Canadian TV station. Yeah. it It aired in Canada. It aired in New Zealand. It aired in the United States every time exactly once. George Lucas said, if I had a sledgehammer, I would destroy every copy. Because um, yeah, I, I kind of get it. You got to put yourself in his shoes at the time. He just made a movie. He, had, I, he was confident about this film, but had no idea that Star Wars would become the cultural juggernaut that it was. Mm-hmm. So he gets this opportunity. This is before uh, VHS tapes. They're like, hey, we want to put some Star Wars stuff on TV. We'll give you some money for it. He's like, great. I'm busy working on the sequel, right, and that which was a, I feel like is going to be real good. And that was a big part of, of, of why he agreed to this is you've got to keep people excited. You've got a couple years before Empire Strikes Back comes out. You've yeah. got to give the public a little bit of Star Wars to keep them happy. And this is there's – no, there's no videotapes. There's no cable television. I mean, there is, but it's in its infancy. Mm-hmm. There's three networks. Fox isn't even a thing. Right. And for, Star Wars was decades. made by Fox. Yeah. <laughs> right. So it's like, great. And I'm imagining if I'm a kid in 1978, I'm going to tape this, and I'm just going to watch the recycled footage of the space battles. Well, to tape it at the time, a VCR was like $1,000. I'm sure. Yeah. So the person that whoever taped this was some kind of Richie Rich kid that loves yeah. Star Wars. So someone taped this, hung on to that tape for years, somehow transferred it to, I guess, Laserdisc, mm-hmm. and then somehow that ended up on, hypothetically, YouTube. Right. And I'll emphasize there's no legal way to watch this, but you can find it on YouTube. Yeah. It's real easy. Try YouTube. But don't. Yeah, but, yeah. pay for it somehow. No, just don't watch it. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's actually the best suggestion. There's a lot of things that we talk about that are fall into the so bad they're good category. Miami Connection, The Room, mm-hmm. incompetently made films that still manage to delight with their sincerity and their incompetence. 
Sean, how do you feel? I don't feel like this is one of them. No, this save your time until painful. Watch it. Very, very painful. <laughs> We're gonna just listen to us discuss it, and you, you you don't even need to watch it because it is longer than Star Wars, isn't it? It's an hour and forty eight minutes without okay. the commercials. Oh, without the okay, so yeah. it's it's almost as long. It's gosh, how would you describe it to someone who's never seen it? It is it is like a fever dream. It is like the the intro. Is it exactly. It's like you're having some kind of nightmarish hallucination. A guy from Entertainment Weekly said, I'm not convinced that this movie was made by anything else than a sentient bag of cocaine. Oh my gosh, really? Yeah. That was what I was going to say. I was going to say there must have been so much cocaine done to make this. So I don't know what cocaine filmmaking is like. I guess it's like anything made in the 80s. And there's a lot of good movies in the 80s. It's but it's long and boring. I'm imagining some poor dude in 1978. Hypothetically, I don't know what this would be like personally. Mm-hmm. Hypothetically, he loves Star Wars. He wants to watch the Star Wars thing. Let's right. say he sparks up a J. Right. Let's say he has a funny brownie. Mm-hmm. Let's say he eats some Gandalfian mushrooms he found in the woods. Right. And then he's watching this, and he... These are the bad trips you've heard about. Right. Are sparked by people trying to enjoy this and watching it and then jumping straight through the window. This is probably the first bad trip was whatever, like November 29th, 1978. Mm -hmm. Up to that point, that was the end of kind of the flower power era. No, I mean, people say that. They're like, oh, the 60s died at Altamont. Yeah. No, the 60s died in 1978. (laughs) This is like millions of people simultaneously going on a bad trip. It's like a thousand voices cried out in terror only to right. be suddenly silenced. Yeah. <laughs> like, just, what's going on, man? Yeah, it's it's not only bad, it's really boring. Yeah, it's super boring. Holy yeah, smokes. Yeah, it's, it's shockingly boring. So let's let's kind of discuss a few a few moments. So so first of all, there there's a lot of recycled footage from A New Hope, all the cool space battles. Then there is new footage of Han Solo, mm-hmm. Mark, uh, uh, Harrison Ford, Carrie Fisher, Mark Hamill, mm-hmm. Anthony Daniels as C-3PO, and R2-D2 as R2-D2. Right. And uh, James Earl Jones as the voice of Darth Vader. But it's filmed in that Doctor Who vision, that soap opera vision. Yeah, it's it, the television cameras back then were just... I mean, I've, I've watched Mork and Mindy, and Mork and Mindy <laughs> looks fine. <laughs> yeah, is it, I don't know if it's... Maybe it's kind of gone th- recorded from TV, from tape to Laserdisc, from Laserdisc. Maybe that's kind of a tape of a tape of a tape because it r- yeah. is really l- low resolution. That's true. The chain of custody has it, been. It uh, could have been that. Yeah, but um, so we've, it's it's basically like watching the Donnie and Marie show. And if you're not old enough to know the Donnie and Marie show, think back to the Simpsons 138th episode spectacular, which was aping those 70s variety shows. Right. And you know what? Frankly, probably that. <laughs> I'm like, if you're young, remember this episode of television that came out <laughs> 23 years ago. Whatever. You're on your own on that. Yeah. Um, we get 20 minutes. Okay, so in the opening credits, the very enthusiastic announcer says, Introducing Chewbacca's family. Mala, his wife. Itchy, his father. And Lumpy, his son and Lumpy Chewbacca's son ended up being my favorite character through the whole thing. I really like Lumpy. Yeah, he's definitely better than than the other two Wookies. We get at least twenty minutes on Kashyyyk is what they call it in Revenge of the Sith, but 
but in this they call it Kazook. Oh. The Wookiee planet. 20 minutes of Chewbacca's family in their treehouse, wondering where Chewbacca is. Speaking only in Wookiee language with no subtitles. No and subtitles. No and, and this isn't an exaggeration. And this is where cocaine must have come into it because I guess the people on cocaine assumed that everyone at home could speak Wookiee fluently. <laughs> they could understand it, yeah. Because it, it's, it's weird. It starts out, you see, you know, you're used to Chewbacca talking for a few seconds in the movies. <coughs> but he, it, cho- it starts out with, with, you see Han saying new lines in Chewbacca. They got to get to Kajuk. For Life Day. For Life Day. And you're like, wow, this is exciting. And then you're, you see the family. They're living in a, like almost like a 1950s, like, I don't know, like Chewbacca's wife is cooking in the kitchen. And mm-hmm. it's it's even though they're in a big treehouse, it's sort of the kitchen of a 1970s house in the suburbs. Oh, yeah. And they start talking in, in Wookiean, whatever the language is called. And you think, oh, this is going to go on for a few minutes. Oh, it's this is adorable. They're Wookiees. But then five minutes turns into ten minutes, <laughs> and ten minutes turns into twenty minutes, and then they're just they're miming. But even still, they they have a a photograph of Chewbacca that they put up on the shelf and stare at. They have seventies like televisions with knobs and and static. Mm-hmm. Um, this reminds me of something I forgot to bring up last week. Is in the uh, Timothy Zahn trilogy uh, that was kind of the first exp- first big expanded universe thing. Uh, our heroes meet a Wookiee who speaks perfect English. And and Princess Leia says, she's like, has this revelation, oh my gosh, Chewbacca, you never speak English, basic, they call it. Mm-hmm. Is this because you have a speech impediment? So she thinks, oh, all Wookiees can speak basic, but Chewbacca just can't because he's got... His, Born without a tongue his, or his, something? His teeth are too big or whatever. Right. And then the guy speaking the perfect English slash basic goes, no, no, no. I'm the one with the speech impediment. <laughs> That's why I can speak to you in this Shakespearean Wookiee language. That. <laughs> and you're telling me this is the best of the Expanded Universe books? Yeah, it's the first. It's got... among the first. <laughs> it's so what would that in, what would that be? A tongue? What, what, could, yeah, what, what like, goes from like go, sounding like you're gargling with, with mouthwash to, to speaking fluently? Maybe that's it. Maybe like he can't. I mean, Wookiees have tongues that maybe are just strictly for dining, mm-hmm. for eating, and for some reason his tongue, he just can't control it. It goes up to the back of his teeth. Yeah. It makes his the corners of, of his mouth turn up to make an R sound. Wow. Okay. He has, he has too many muscles in his mouth that he can't control, and then he learned how to speak So th- is he from this planet? Yeah, he's from Kazook. Kajik, Where did he learn this language? If no one else is speaking it, is he just learning it from watching TV, I guess, since it's basically the same as Earth? Yeah, it's the same as Wayne's World, which is not canon. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but yeah, Wayne's World, she says she learned how to speak English from the Police Academy movies. Oh, so, so we can assume that's how this guy... So he learned how to speak English from uh, virtual reality uh, porno real dolls. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well... Because that's, that's the crazy thing is the Wookiees can understand basic, but they just can't speak it. And Han Solo can understand Wookiee, but can't speak it. Who else can understand Chewbacca? Well, Mark Hamill, uh, Luke, talks to their family. That's true, and that... he seems to understand it. So from... from so this, how, how would you... How far past A New Hope would you say this is? Is this a year later? I mean, 
in our Earth time, it's a year later. No, in in in, in this, I mean, it 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 must be. Everyone's wearing the same outfits. So that means that that uh, Luke, at, right after blowing up the Death Star, I thought the first order of business is he gets the Rosetta Stone Wookie and starts <laughs> yeah. learning Wookie. Yeah. Because he can understand them when when they call to ask where where Chewbacca well, is. Well, and he knows them. He's met them before. Right, and he knows them really well. He almost kind of flirts with Chewbacca's wife. <laughs> oh, Luke. <laughs> they call him on their 70s black and white television, and him and R2 are fixing an X-Wing, and there's just poisonous X-Wing space gas getting everywhere. Mm-hmm. And Luke says... Oh, hey, guys. Hey, Mala, itchy and lumpy. <laughs> so the, he's on a friendly terms with them. Then they all start arguing with each other in front of Luke. Mm-hmm. And Luke looks so awkward. So they do this video call. They're, they're FaceTiming him. And then they start fighting. And Luke is like, I got to fix my X-Wing. But, but no, then he starts going, come on, Mala, show me that smile. Show me that smile. That's right. And then she gives him that big wookie <laughs> smile. So like he's just on weird friendly terms with them. So Mark Hamill has never looked more waxy. Oh my god. It's not he, his fault. He looks almost like some kind of like China doll or something. He's got his he's got tons of makeup he's on. He's so caked with makeup like he's about to do the five o'clock news. Right. And and his hair looks weird. It does not look anything like any Mark Hamill I've ever seen. I know it doesn't. And this is I believe this is before the car crash. It it was. That messed up his face, supposedly. So he's just like slathered in stage makeup, and the ca- those Doctor Who cameras aren't good enough to cover it up. Right. Also, watch this again. He never blinks, and since he's talking to a like FaceTime thing, when you see Luke, he's looking directly at you, the viewer. Mm-hmm. And when I say he never blinks, he actually does blink exactly one time, really? which makes it even more noticeable. He's like. His eyes are wide, and he has these <laughs> long stretches of dialogue with his eyes wide on his really? on his weird beige, silly putty looking face. There were so many weird things about it that I didn't notice that. Yeah, because there's hundreds of weird things coming at you simultaneously while I, watching. I, this. I feel like you could watch this a bunch and not notice a lot. Well, of every shit. time you watch it, depending on how much cocaine you've done, you you notice yeah. something new every time. So to, Lumpy, poor Lumpy's sad, waiting for his his pop. And mm-hmm. also, what about Chewbacca? Just like. Have a good time, guys. I'm off to. <laughs> I. You know what? I have to hang out with my buddy. I actually thought about that more than almost anything else during during this. So yeah. It's so boring that you have lots of of downtime to think mm-hmm. while watching it. And I kept thinking, Chewbacca has got to be gone for for years. Oh yeah. Like when does he go home? He's across the galaxy, and you just assume watching it, there are just these two swinging single guys, you know, yeah. going through the universe, you know, sleeping on their the floor, just doing all this crazy pirate stuff but Chewbacca has a full family so about once a week I say goodbye to my girlfriend and my cat Mm -hmm. and I come here and I record this podcast with my good buddy Sean right but imagine you just honking in front of my house in your sweet 78 Camaro Mm -hmm. and I'm like see ya back whenever (laughs) who knows (laughs) let's just go around the whole world yeah I, I don't know how does how does communication work in Star Wars can you just call someone like like in in Star Trek, they got relays set out everywhere that yeah. can bounce the signal. But even sometimes that it takes forever to get messages to and from from ships to Earth and everything. Well, that's one of the really contradictory things. In Empire Strikes Back, Vader and his his Imperial officers have real time holographic conversations. Mm-hmm. But Leia, for some reason, had to record one to get to Obi Wan. 
They didn't have a. a so why in, in a New Hope? Why couldn't Leia just directly call Obi Wan? I guess because he's a hermit in the desert. He probably doesn't have a phone. Of course, he's he's like, I don't even have a TV. I guess if he's hiding out, he wouldn't have kind of a post office yeah, phone off either. The, he's off the grid. He's off the grid. So yeah. that's that that's the, a pretty good explanation. So that makes sense. Then in this, it's firmly established that you can have real time conversations via your uh, RCA television. That you got at Radio Shack, right? This has a, Sears. They probably got it at Sears. This has a real Space Sears. There's a lot of people looking into televisions, and I, I thought a lot about Inception while watching this. Yeah, because there's a mo- there's a part where where it might it might be the ne- next part. I might be skipping ahead, but but which one's the kid? Happy? Lumpy, Lumpy, <laughs> Lumpy is gonna watch a cartoon about his. Are, is, is the cartoon Lumpy's watching supposed to be real? That's a big question. Because it's at one point, Lumpy's freaking out. And right. then the Imperial officer comes over, and he's like, what's the big deal? And Lumpy really quickly alt-tabs mm-hmm. from the cartoon he's watching of his dad and his friends to a game. And the, the officer's like, oh, you're just playing that game. Right. And then at the end of this cartoon adventure, Lumpy starts clapping. So is, I was confused. Was that some form of entertainment a long time ago in a galaxy far away or was he watching that happen and for some reason it was a really weirdly animated cartoon i think it was supposed to be happening that's what i thought so this could again be a drug thing could be on drugs but if you think about it he's watching a video on a tv screen and you're watching him watch a video on a tv screen there's parts where you're you're getting like two and three tv screens deep in inception that's 50 percent of the movie is right. watching Wookiees watch TV. Right. There's a cooking show. There's some sort of like tech craft show. And so you're watching a Wookiee watch TV and try to follow along. No, wait a minute. Wait a minute. You So you're watching Lumpy watch a screen with his parents doing something. And in that thing he's watching, doesn't Boba Fett talk on a screen to Darth Vader? Yeah, and doesn't Boba Fett talk talk on a screen to a non-animated Darth Vader? I don't remember. I kind of maybe I I'm just know. not giving it the benefit of the doubt and assuming that within the cartoon is live action. It's just going deeper and deeper. It's true into some kind of dream. It's very dreamlike. This this show. this whole thing is dreamlike, and uh, frankly, the best part is the musical numbers, of mm-hmm. which there are many. Mm-hmm. But the very first one is this very strange. Kind of modern dance, Cirque du Soleil There's thing. There's that Cirque du Soleil thing, but then Itchy sits down. Is it Itchy or Lumpy? Itchy is the grandpa. So Itchy's grandpa. Itchy has a premium subscription to space porn, it, for it lack is, of a better it, term. It is kind of an interactive mind porn. And yeah. it's, it, you sit in a machine that looks like an old-fashioned hair dryer at a salon from the 60s. Yeah, and then a, a human woman... That was the most interesting thing, is Itchy's watching porn of a human. Yeah, a, a human woman, and that is played by uh, Dion Carroll, who is uh, she's still alive. She's a star of stage and screen, mm-hmm. uh, best known as Carmen Jones, Porgy and Bess, and uh, on Broadway. In fact, in 1968, oddly enough, she was on one of the first series on American television to star... An African-American woman in a non-stereotypical role. And that was a show called Julia. Okay. Primetime soap. All right. But then she's there in her 70s disco outfit. And she's like, whatever you think I am, I am. Ooh. Ooh, and, that and, tickles. And just like Luke, staring dead into the camera. Staring dead into the camera. Well, Itchy's just delighted that this 
virtual woman is here to serve him. By the way, she was a high school classmate of Billy D. Williams. Really? Yeah, so that's nice. Man, I love Billy D. Williams. I've I've I the, I just rewatched the original trilogy, but who knows? Maybe someday we'll get to it on our Star Wars month. It might be, you know, something to get to. I mean priorities. Yeah, yeah, we got to we got to get in order of importance, but I, yeah, we got to do holiday special, <laughs> obscure books, right. Ewok adventures before we get to Empire Strikes Back. But I was watching the original trilogy, and I just was delighted this time through with Lando. How much I enjoyed him. You know, I'm, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna tangent here. Okay. A lot of people are really freaked out that there hasn't been a solo trailer yet. Okay. This is solo a Star Wars movie, the Han Solo prequel, the Lando prequel, the Chewie prequel, frankly. So I was kind of on that same boat. Like, this movie comes out in four months. Where's our trailer? Where's our poster? Where's our pictures? However, if it was the opposite, I would be front and center complaining, man, whatever happened to surprises? <laughs> like, you know, a new X-Men movie comes out, and a month before, it's like, here's five exclusive new clips from the X-Men right. movie. And you see the trailer a year and a half in advance. You see the the Justice League trailer a year before it comes out. So... I'll take it. I want to go into this movie as fresh as possible. I think I just assume they're pushing it back. That's what everyone assumes. Everyone assumes just because they switched directors with three weeks left of filming. (laughs) And just because after seeing the dailies, they hired an acting coach for the guy playing Han Solo, (laughs) that it's going to be bad. No, they're keeping it fresh. It's it's a a new form of marketing. Shaking it up. That guy, um, that guy, he obviously, how can you replace Harrison Ford? I know. But this guy's really got the look. Does he? When you see him with his hair, it's like, shit, I can see it. Really? I can totally see this guy as young Harrison Ford. I just feel like with Harrison Ford, you he's a once-in-a-century guy. Oh, of course. I mean, he's on Solo. He's Indiana Jones. I just feel like you should just make up any Star Wars character. Yeah, he is not, he's not Sean Pat- Patrick Flannery. Because he's not Chris Pratt. You think about how... Okay, Chris Pratt's a great example. Star Lord yeah. and Chris Pratt. Like he's he is that sort of Han Solo character. But you didn't have to just do another Han Solo thing. Just make up someone new. Have him be the same as Han Solo even. It doesn't matter, but I when Han Solo became Han Solo, it's because there wasn't anything like that before, you know? I read a wonderful essay online that was published a few years ago. Mm-hmm. And at that time there were rumors that Chris Pratt was going to take over the Indiana Jones role. Mhm. And and in short, the essay said, we don't want another Raiders of the Lost Ark knockoff. We want a movie that makes us feel the same way we did when we saw Raiders of the Lost Ark. Right. So, sure, Chris Pratt can, can pull it off, but have Chris Pratt be a different character. That's what I just don't understand. That's how I felt about the first Guardians of the Galaxy movie is this is like unto what Star Wars was in the 70s. And that's why it's for the such a hu- that's why it's such a huge hit. Yeah. That's why and they're they're fantastic. They're both great. Yeah. It has the same fresh feeling that Star Wars would have had back then. Right. You just make up something new and it's kind of the same. Yeah. I'm with you. Good. I'll still see Solo and hate it and love it. Yeah. I hope <laughs> I love it. I don't want to make the world a worse place. Yeah. I I read another recent essay that's like I hope it fails. I hope it sucks. I hope everybody <laughs> hates it. And it's like, no, that's, that's, a lot, really, that's really negative, man. There's a lot of self, self-loathing in fandom. Yeah. <laughs> People hate things because they hate themselves. He wants it to be a bomb so that they don't make more uh, movies like this. But it's like, how about instead you hope it's really good and they make more really good movies like this? 
Or how about who cares? See it or don't. There you go. <laughs> like, Nailed it. Like doesn't matter. Yeah. If you don't want to see it, don't see it. Yeah. <laughs> so I love this. Uh, oh, anyway, so so she does a song. Great music. Mm-hmm. In this whole thing, her song is really good. After yeah. the weird, like I am here to to pleasure you, to give you a that. mental orgasm. And he kind of does. Dad, itchy does kind of. It's it's very a graphic scene. Yeah. I would say as far as seventies television. Now, what about uh, Imperial Ned Flanders, who's bugging Art Carney? <laughs> <laughs> That's I, this is such a puzzle. It seems like if you watch this, the people that made it had not seen Star Wars. I think that might be true. The director took over shortly into it. Mm-hmm. So they had a director who bailed. This is the same director as the Elvis 68 comeback special. Oh, wow. Which is why it has a very similar tone. Okay. Um, he never met with George Lucas. He was instead given a document called the Wookiee Bible. That but, explains but, how Wookiees act. But George Lucas wrote the Wookiee Bible. Perhaps uh, someone from Lucasfilm, someone from his camp, or he at least he at least stamped yeah. it with his. I mean, from 1977 on, he just basically had a big green stamp that he would yeah. stamp on things. Now, the woman who played Lumpy, so George Lucas says, I really had nothing to do with it. The woman that played Lumpy said that Lucas was sent dailies for approval. Hmm. Now that that could both be true. It mm. could be that he was sent dailies and was too busy designing special effects for Hoth yeah. to look at Wookiee family dinner time. Right. I can't imagine he agreed to this. There's no, even I, as I, as much like, as much as I hate to take sides with George Lucas. I just can't imagine. I'm no, on his side. There's no way. There's no. He was he was kicked in the nuts by this. He was as surprised as we were. Yeah. No, there's no way. And as weird as his later decisions were, this is Lucas in his prime. Right. With everything to lose. Right. He made. He's made one good movie. Right. Now the sequel's got to kill it. I know. Can you imagine? To cement if, his place. Can you imagine if Empire Strikes Back was was a flop. You know, it's just I actually read a thing recently about how it was received much like The Last Jedi, where there was a lot of fans at the time that hated it. Yeah, I did read. um, I found that really interesting. I did read from people who were like sentient humans at the time it came out and how deflated they were at the end. That's what I love it. That's that's what everyone loves, man. Was it the first time you the the thing that's funny is the the title tells you the ending. Yeah, it does. Like you literally, oh, the Empire Strikes Back. Okay, they, the Empire is going to win in this one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I, I do remember the first time I saw it, sort of, but I don't remember ever seeing it without the knowledge of Return of the Jedi. I, I, can't, I, I can't remember, but I, it knocked my socks. I couldn't believe it was over. Well, speaking of remembering seeing these movies the first time. Oh, yeah. Another tangent that you need to bring up. Yeah, I wasn't sure if I'd talked about this. We've done a bunch of Star Wars months, and I, I haven't talked about... I pretty much saw Star Wars before almost anybody. Yeah. So my mom worked at 20th Century Fox. It This Star Wars, the first Star Wars came out uh, May 5th, I think, mm-hmm. 1977. And so I saw it with the cast and crew before it was released. So I saw it with, with George Lucas and, and Mark Hamill and everyone. I was three weeks old. Yep. It's <laughs> amazing. I, and I remember it well. It's It's... You know, I remember the the twists and turns and and the swashbuckling. I was at the edge of my seat, on the edge of my diaper. So yeah, that's kind of a neat little thing. I saw my mom worked at 20th Century Fox, and I was able to see it. What did she do there? She, I'm, I can't remember. She had something to do with with in the accounting department. Mm. 
She would take checks to the bank and, and something like that. Yeah. I don't know. Important stuff. Well, she told me she'd take checks and they would be like $50,000, stuff <laughs> yeah. like that, you know? Yeah. So that would be a lot of pressure. You're driving, you know, in LA with the top down of your car and they'll check on the dashboard. <laughs> goes flying off, $100,000 check. Mm hmm. So listening to the Saturday Night Fever soundtrack, right, right. <laughs> Just picture this: nineteen seventy-seven, bell bottoms, and her her giant hair blown in the wind. <laughs> so yeah, so I saw it with, with the casting crew before it was released, as a wee little baby, yeah. as a Padawan. That's amazing. So and Return of the Jedi was the first movie I ever saw in the theaters. I was three. It wasn't the first one I saw, but I remember seeing it. Yeah, it was the first movie I saw in the theaters, and I saw it at a specific um, historic theater in the salt lake city area which uh closed down in 2002 and i went to the final screening that movie ever or that theater ever showed which was the two towers that was my fourth time seeing it it was the final screening in that theater is it now a carpet store it is now a carpet store okay but thank goodness adib and his rug gallery bought the theater and kept the the sign that was a great theater yeah i loved seeing i actually saw one of the star wars there i saw attack of the clones there nice it's this is how historic it is. It's got phone booths with those little wooden closing doors, and it has urinals that go all the way to the floor. It was huge. It was yeah. a huge theater. Yeah, the villa in Holiday, Utah. Yeah, it was a beautiful theater. So Imperial Ned Flanders, we got Art Carney here as a junk dealer, and there's this Imperial Death Trooper, and he's like, I'm looking for the Wookiee. Then he turns around, and it's Ned Flanders <laughs> with his big old mustache, and if I'm the Empire, if I'm Darth Vader or Sheev, the first thing I'm doing is banning mustaches from the Empire. Yeah? I like you it. Have, you, can't look, you can't be cool with a mustache. It doesn't seem very military-friendly. To have a big old handlebar mustache? <laughs> right. Like David Crosby? Because even in the 70s, I don't think that, that we, our military had mustaches. It is canon that rebels had mustaches because they're rebelling. Right. Imperials should not have big mustaches. Now, our Carney... Is it possible that he could have acted more suspicious? No, not at all. Like this is the dumbest uh, guy in the in the world. This, this uh, empire guy, whatever he is. Well, yeah. what's his position? What is he? Well, he's a he's a death trooper. That's that's those guys with the black helmets, but the open faces. Okay, so a death so trooper. So that's like Gestapo. He, SS. He, he's the dumbest death trooper in mm-hmm. the entire empire because <laughs> you could not act. You you have never seen anyone more flustery and acting suspicious and winking to other people while he's talking. Yeah, Chewie's wife calls him on the video screen, and he says, "Yes, that walking carpet you ordered is on the way." It was made by it was made alone by hand solo. <laughs> yeah, he's making this 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 thinly coated call with a guy from the Empire looking through his shop at all his ridiculous stuff. And he, and it's much like the dad in Gremlins. He's got like a smokeless yeah. ashtray. He's got all this like junk in his pocket fish tank. Yeah, he's showing him some weird things. To be fair, Art Carney up until just a few years ago when Christopher Plummer won, mm-hmm. was the oldest uh, Oscar winner for, for an acting role. Really? Yeah. So For this? For the holiday special? For the, wow. For, yeah, Fan- for the holiday special. Fantastic. Yeah, they, they, he, they he snuck it. it in. It played at one theater in L.A. for one night to be qualified for the Oscars. Well, he earned it. Absolutely. If they were calling for suspicious, he nailed it. So perhaps the most important thing about this is the debut 
of uh, one of those obscure cult characters that deep Star Wars fans know about, Boba Fett. Oh, okay. Yeah, just hold on. We'll explain who this guy is. Yeah, he is a bounty hunter who works for the Empire and has a really cool mask and has and te- uh, tentacles that come out of his sleeve. Do they? Yeah, he has a tentacle that comes out of his sleeve. Like a rope. Yeah. Okay. Like a tentacle, like a sarlacc pit tentacle in his sleeve. Is that in the cartoon? Yeah. It's weird. That cartoon was the coolest part of this whole thing. The animation was super weird. It's like this Aeon Flux heavy metal yeah, animation. Yeah, it's, it's very much like the heavy metal movie. Like the Garfield Halloween special, like really distorted. And again, stylized. Again, please, as a public service announcement, if you're thinking of watching this, do not take any sort of psychotropic drugs before watching this, or you will jump out the window. Yeah, it will terrify you. You will you will <laughs> jump directly through your front window. So so Lumpy sits down to watch this adventure that <laughs> So we see Chewie piloting the Falcon, and Han is strung up by his ankles in the back, mm-hmm. dangling back and forth. And I think Luke says, Where's Han? Mm-hmm. They're like, There he is, tied up. Yeah. Like right there. So they crash land on this planet, and then this new friend shows up named Boba Fett. And Luke, and this is classic A New Hope Luke, Mm -hmm. he's like, hello, I'm Boba Fett. I'm your friend. Oh, good, a friend! (laughs) Thanks, buddy. I'm so glad you're here, buddy. That's kind of what's charming about him. Absolutely. Like That's that's why we need the resistance. We need need people that are just that naive and that (laughs) innocent. But this was before Empire Strikes Back. Mm-hmm. So as dumb as Luke was, I bet a lot of kids at home were tricked. I, yeah, and and Han doesn't even know who Boba Fett is. Right. So so in the third one, in Return of the Jedi, when he, he's blind and they're out on the, the, the like, Jabba's going to throw him in the Sarlacc, and somebody says, I, I think it's Chewbacca, tells him Boba Fett. He's like, Boba Fett? Oh, is it Lando? Yeah. Boba Fett. Boba Fett, like, Han is really, is Han remembering this cartoon adventure? He's probably remembering that, and then... So I'll have to rewatch Empire Strikes Back someday, if I ever get around to it. I'm mm. very busy watching this stuff. Well, there's other stuff to watch. You don't want to yeah. watch the good stuff. But so, when Boba Fett emerges around the corner to confront Han, what is Han's reaction? I don't remember. In Empire? Yeah. Does, does Han seem to know who he is? No. Is it, like is it at the same moment where, where Darth Vader comes in? Yeah, so, so he goes in, in. In the Bespin? Yeah, so Han shoots at Vader. Vader blocks the, the laser bolts, mm-hmm. pulls Han's gun away. And then Lando's like, I'm sorry, I had no choice. Then Boba comes out like, but it's, it's filmed in such a way that it's like, hey, hey. I don't think. Here I, I am. Th- nobody reacts. <laughs> nobody says, Boba yeah, Fett, no. I should have known or something. Yeah. In the recent Marvel comics, uh, Vader hires Boba Fett to figure out who this punk-ass kid was that blew up the Death Star. Oh, cool. Yeah. That's like the first issue of the Darth Vader miniseries from, I was going to say recently. It's probably from 2012, 13, 14. <laughs> so he meets with him, and he's like, there was this guy, and he it seemed like he had the force. You need to figure out who he is, my friend Boba. I'm reading the first Jason Aaron trade paperback of yeah. Star Wars from that era. Also, probably 2012. So that was Star Wars. So the first ones were Star Wars, a Darth Vader miniseries, and a Princess Leia miniseries. Is that right? Yeah, and I read them, and I was enthusiastic. Now, I have not read a single comic since we retired Fight for Comics several years ago. <laughs> just by accident? Like, I just I just can't, I can't do it. But because I'm so high on Star Wars now, that might be what gets me 
gets me back in. Okay. I'm enjoying it. Yeah. I hear the Poe Dameron miniseries is really good. Mm-hmm. So Luke passes out because of medallion poison. They find a sacred medallion. Yeah, and it makes... I can't even remember this part. It makes Luke faint for some reason. They, I don't know. They're just all unconscious from what I remember. Yeah, and and, and you, think, you think that that Boba is good for the first half. Yeah, you think he's good because Luke is constantly going, you're really good, friend. <laughs> hey, friend. I'm so glad you're here, my friend. You're mm-hmm. such a good friend, Boba. And Chewie goes, bah! And Luke has selective Wookiee understanding because mm-hmm. he ignores it, and we find out at the end that Chewie was warning them all along that Bo was a bad dude. Wait a minute. When did this happen? So if this really happened, Luke is fixing his his, his X-Wing right now. Yeah, is this is this a recording of something that happened? That's what I don't understand because don't they all arrive at the same time to Life Day? Yeah. So so Han and Chewie face an Imperial blockade. Do they go pick up Luke and the droids and Leia somewhere? They must was Leia already on the planet? And then Boba gets them. For some reason, Han is tied up. Does this so this is happening on the way to Life Day, right? Yeah. So that means that after Luke spoke with with Chewbacca's family, he went off. Because I guess from where he – oh, no, because where he starts out, he, him and the two droids are, are at the, like, main rebel base, right? That's what it seems like. So that's where he is fixing – it's just a different part where he's fixing the X-Wing or whatever yeah. he's doing. So it could have happened just moments later. He left to go get him. And then passed out. And then R2-D2 and C-3PO intercept a message to Boba Fett from Vader mm-hmm. where Vader says, Hey, Boba, you're my number one guy. <laughs> And then they warn him. And, but it's interesting because early on there's some translation. C-3PO is translating it, the word friend, or R2-D2 says friend, and C-3PO says, there could be more than one meaning to the term friend. What, what do you think that meant? Cons- co-conspirator? Like maybe friend, but not a friend of yours. Oh. So someone, maybe R2-D2 calls him friend, and what he means is friend of Vader. Oh, speak friend and Vader. Speak friend and Vader. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, and then this this cartoon's interesting because it establishes that C three PO can translate Wookiee into Basic. Well, he does understand. He talks to to Chewbacca through the whole through the, all the movies. Yeah. Like w- when he gets his legs blown off in in Bespin, he's oh, yeah. on Chewbacca's back and he's just like he's talking I'm to him backwards. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. It's like, oh, they've encased him in carbonite. He'll be very safe or whatever, if he survived the freezing process. Speaking of freezing, sometimes fresh food is, fresh food brags as always fresh, never frozen. So what about that cooking show? Gosh, this is this is the most painful part. So we've got, it's Harvey Corman, right? Harvey Corman. Who plays about four different characters in this for yeah. some reason. He's in he's in three different parts. Now, who the hell is Harvey Corman? For anyone born later than 1960, <laughs> he was a featured performer on the Danny Kaye show. But is best remembered at, uh, from the sketch comedy series The Carol Burnett Show and several Mel Brooks films. And, it, and this is kind of a who's who TV celebrity of the 70s. This yeah, thing so is... at the time, he's yeah. it's like getting... Uh, uh, Seth Myers, <laughs> no, Kinda, no, like, or Horatio Sands. Who's on? Yeah, something like that. Someone on everything. Yeah, and he plays this alien with four arms that's, that's cooking. It's a it's a, a horribly unfunny cooking show. Again, 
you you are watching someone else watch TV in we real are, time. We are watch yeah in real time. We are watching Chewbacca's wife watch this cooking show to try to make bantholoin. Bantholoin, and, and it's, there's a, there's a really disturbing part where he says, "You take the bantholoin," and then he smells it and goes, "Mmm, good loin." Well, and there's a lot of crotch kind of joy, jokes through yeah. the whole thing. It's it's got this whole thing has a weird sexual undertone that is not very Star Wars like in my opinion. <laughs> But it's he plays a forearmed kind of uh, what's her name uh, Julia Child. Julia Child type character, cutting and it's it's awful it's unfunny, and I guess what is the the gag is that she has four arms right that's it yeah the 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 host of the cooking show has four arms so Chewbacca's wife's trying to follow along but she doesn't have enough arms and then suddenly it gets into the the other pair of arms comes out and it's this it's very catchy. Stir, whip, stir, whip, oh, yeah. whip, whip, stir. No, I did that wrong. Whip, stir, whip, whip, stir, whip, whip. Yeah, it does get kind of it, kind of hypnotic. That's almost like you're being brainwashed or something, mm-hmm. conditioned. And then Harvey Corman is also an alien alcoholic that drinks through the top of his head. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about that that sequence. Well, that's B. Arthur, who has the same birthday as me, mm-hmm. and is do it and is playing the role of Brighton right now. Mm-hmm. I'm Brighton on World Champion. Po- okay, apparently I can't do a Blanche. Whatever. Well, well, she's doing you right now, right? We That's are being played like I am Mark Carney. Right, and I'm being played by B. Arthur, who's doing her best Brighton impression. This must have what he won an Oscar for because he's, he's killing he's the, Sean, the Sean yeah. character. So is this the same cantina that we know from A New Hope or that is was, it a different one? That's exactly what I was going to talk about. I'm assuming that this is literally the cantina and she is the owner. It's, so think about the first time you saw Star Wars or your youngest memory of it. When when they first go in there, it's scary. You know, you're a little kid. You've never been into a bar. That's like a, a, a place where bikers go, as mm-hmm. far as you know. And so you go in there. It's 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 a very menacing atmosphere. Can you imagine if they would have gone like on a Saturday that she and walked in and B. Arthur is is the bartender and she not only is fixing drinks and kind of being, are you gonna buy something? But then go breaks into song. I mean, the Cantina Band is there playing a, a more ragtime version of their famous song. Mm-hmm. Walrus Man is there cutting a rug, and right. eventually B. Arthur dances with Walrus Man. Pandu right. Baba, <laughs> right. he doesn't like you. That guy, like he just—they just showed up on a bad day. People were having a bad day. Snaggletooth is there. That big furry thing that goes is there. All the famous Cantina aliens are there dancing around. I'm sad that there that huge rodent wasn't in the movie though. Yeah, when she goes and snuggles with. It's like, oh, we have all these crazy imaginative aliens, but what we need is just a giant mouse. It's a giant mouse. That she snuggles with. Yeah. She nuzzles her face against it. She kind of is, is hugging everybody. Well, she's very sentimental because they get shut down by the Empire. Mm-hmm. Now, meanwhile, this this guy, who if he had a fedora, would be tipping it and saying, "Milady," <laughs> shows up and it is like, look, there's a flower. Yes, I see it. It's for you. Yeah, and he drinks not via his mouth, even though he looks like a human. He just pours his drinks on the top of his head, which is disgusting. So does he have lips up there? Oh, gross! And a uvula? Does yeah. he have a midbrain uvula? I was, yeah, I was trying to figure out the, what the, this kind of sphincter situation up there would be like. Really gross. And like, no wonder she doesn't want to date him. No, he's disgusting, and he's coming on real strong because he comes around and like hugs her. I think every attractive female bartender has a guy like this, a guy that comes in just to kind of creep on them and annoy them. And they, they range from harmless and pestering to 
to you know stalkers. Yeah, I have I have several friends who are bartenders. I I work several nights a week in bars, right? As a as an entertainer, mm-hmm. as as a cantina band leader, as it were. Mm-hmm. And yes, that's absolutely true. Really, they they talk about they it. all have yes. This is a big thing. They all have that. I I I, I was sure that that was the case. <laughs> in some cases, it's Harvey Corman who drinks from the top of his head. Right. <laughs> so she tells everyone like, "You got to go. The Empire just shut us down via Skype." Because she yeah. just gets an alert, and everyone's like, no, we're still going to dance. She's like, no, you got to go. No, we want another drink. And then she's like, okay, one more round. Now here's my song, this which, is... like the first scene, five minutes in, you're like, pretty catchy song. Five more minutes, five more minutes. Well, it's it just the, – if if this movie is, is nothing else, it is consistently dreamlike, like you're having a dream. Mm-hmm. Because it, it just flows from one bizarre thing to the next. And I, I couldn't figure out – she's trying to kick everyone out with this song, right? Yeah, the song is, is like one last hurrah. But the, no one will leave. The song is one more round. Why will no one leave? Very catchy song, and they just don't want to leave because well, they're all drunk. Because that's part of it is her helping these aliens out that are stumbling. They can barely stand up straight. <laughs> they're just drunk, and they're like, I'm done when you say I'm done. I just feel like if you – you know, when they do last call, people just leave the bar. It's not like you have to – force you have to go around singing one by one to, to people to make them leave people just leave so i couldn't and it, and it seemed like the empire was going to come and kill people that were there right or something. that's why i thought she was so nervous is because the empire was on the way to kill everybody yeah the, it was a puzzle See, she's this? like you got to go and they say okay one more round on the house so for you 50 people and i guess at that point it's like well this is my last night my counting is screwed I'll just buy a drink for everyone else since we're going to be closed forever. <laughs> so it just seems like this is the the kind of, describing this scene is like when you wake up and you're telling your girlfriend, "Oh man, I had the craziest Star Wars dream." <laughs> B. Arthur was in it, and she was like going around singing to aliens, and there's this big mouse for they, some reason. They were supposed to leave, and then there's a guy drinking through the top of his head. Like they they did not get a bunch of writers together. They just all took drugs and wrote down their in their dream journal what yeah, happened. That's a hundred percent it. And at the end, what even happens? She escorts Snaggletooth and weird pink faced alien out. <laughs> and then does Harvey Corman like he like comes around behind her and tries to spoon her, and she's like, "Get away from me!" Well, I, doesn't he go behind the bar and make a drink and stuff I while so. she's singing? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he should have been thrown out with. I can't believe there's no security at the Mosaic Cantina. Of all places. It's, it seems like Han Solo literally murdered someone there. And then just flipped a coin like, sorry about the murder. Wait, how was pa- – that must not have been Pandu Baba, Walrus Man, because he's dead by now. Oh, yeah. It's about a year later. Maybe yeah, it's his so this brother. Is, this is his brother or... who loves to dance. Right. Pondo Baba, the Walrus Man, had no sense of humor. Mm. But his brother is way chill. He could have been going there. Dance. He could have been going there to retrace what happened to his brother. Get a forty and pour it on the ground. A forty maybe. of blue maybe space it, milk. Yeah, maybe it was. Maybe it was uh, like an anniversary. So he goes and has one drink where he where he was. I don't know if that's sentimental. In his where, honor. where he was murdered. You probably want to go somewhere like his favorite camping spot. Well, you, know, you know what their culture's like. The oh, yeah, that's true. Aquilish culture. A little bit different. His favorite camping spot. <laughs> yeah, something like that. Well, his favorite camping spot was on that Rogue One planet that got blown up. Oh, man. Because they were in that, too. That's it's tough times for those guys. Now, the, the centerpiece musical number, though, mm-hmm. rock and roll. This is one of my favorite parts. Jefferson Starship. And, why, and this was, for once, not one of the Wookiees watching something. It was a guy from the Empire watching it, right? Yeah, yeah I think so. it sat down with a hollow... 
Yeah, he, he was. I I just didn't. I couldn't follow it, even though I was stone cold sober. It was. It wasn't late at night or anything, and I couldn't follow it. I couldn't figure out what was happening ever. I, I watched this about an hour before we started recording. Oh, <laughs> so it is fresh in my mind. Okay, I, so any confusion I have is legit. Okay, okay. I I'm, am very sick, but okay. So I thought that was a great part. It was so trippy. The song is so. It's, it's a pretty good song. It's kind of a cool song, and it's kind of cool to to think about the culture outside of. Like there, there's atmosphere in all these movies, you know. But then to think about having bands, and there's got to be MTV, and there's like mini aquariums. There's all this stuff on the side. Well, this means when someone who's our age, and by our age I mean seventeen or eighteen, is right? going to see Star Wars: New Hope in the theater, hopping in their Firebird or whatever, right? Or their old GTO, <laughs> and they're listening to Jefferson Starship as they're going to see this movie in our Earth time. Yeah. Now this is right after Grace Slick left. But it's prior to we built this city on rock and roll. Right. But it's a pretty good song. It's a it's cool. It's kind of psychedelic. It's really rocking. Yeah, kind of got a deep purple vibe. Well, in the late seventies, music started. It was still druggy. It was still like drug influenced music, but not psychedelic. It kind of went into this new sort of. Must have been the cocaine. It actually does feel like a fairly dated song because it sounds like a song from more like nineteen seventy seventy one than a seventy eight song. But he is singing instead of into a microphone into a neon pink corn dog. <laughs> True. Again, a dream. I had a dream about Jefferson Starship. Yeah. Yeah, I, I thought this part was pretty cool. And then was the next sequence the instruction manual? Yeah. Because I thought that sequence was cool because it was so weird. That was super. That might, well, I can't say with confidence that was the weirdest part. Can't say anything was the weirdest part. It was it was weird in a disturbing way. A lot of this stuff is just weird and goofy. Yeah, but the, there. So the next sequence is Lumpy's watching an instruction manual on how to how to use something. I don't even know what it was. His computer or something. And again, we got Harvey Corman again, and this time he's kind of a Max Hedrum robot who is speeding up and slowing down. Mm-hmm. So he's talking normally and then he'll talk slower and then it's that fast and then and then he's it's it's so fucking weird. And he says what what he's giving instructions for is a MIDI broadcaster, M I D I, I believe. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Which I know from the early days of the World Wide Web. Right. When you'd be on AOL and you'd go to a website Music just starts blasting. You'd go, you'd go to the one Star Wars website that mm-hmm. existed, and you'd get this weird sort of eight bit version of the Star Wars theme. So, so I think that's what he's talking about. Okay, um, I don't know. It's, it says here, MIDI was developed in 1980. So, but maybe at the time it was the most cutting edge thing. It would it be, like, be like now saying this is a VR mm-hmm. Tesla thing, right? <laughs> Um, eventually Chewie and Han show up and Han really gets the best of the stormtrooper. I don't even remember what happened. So everybody leaves convinced after trashing Chewbacca's family's house, they're convinced that these rebels they're looking for aren't going to come. And they're hanging around for a while too. Yeah. One stormtrooper stays behind. Chewie shows up and, and kind of distracts the stormtrooper. Han creeps around the corner and does the old, you know, <laughs> be quiet gesture. Then what happens is that thing where you are on the sidewalk and you and another dude are going the same direction and you do that awkward thing where like you go left, but then he goes left mm-hmm. then you go right. And then, and then he says, should we dance? 
Mondays, right? And then, so that happens, except this results in the stormtrooper hurling himself off the ledge hundreds of feet to the ground below. And if you think about this, just if you put this in, in Earth terms, so you, there's a family. There's a grandpa and a woman and a kid, and then one of the family friends is there. And it's Thanksgiving, and there's a knock on the door, and it's a police officer. And they're looking for the father. And then he hangs around because there's a warrant for his arrest. He's like a violent criminal. And then he comes home and murders the cop. And then they just celebrate a holiday. Well, they explain it. Art, Art Carney takes, takes this one. But that's like the, the shady friend of, of the father. Yeah. Being like, don't worry, I'll bury the body of this police officer. My father's scoundrel friend came, mm-hmm. did a weird little like football move, mm-hmm. like a running back, which somehow caused the stormtrooper to jump off the cliff. Can you imagine what what Mal what's her name Malmar or something? <laughs> sure. <laughs> what? Who cares? Chewbacca's wife. Who Can you cares? imagine what she thinks of Han Solo? Mala. Mala. Yeah. She's this scoundrel. Be like, in his... You were hanging out with this guy. He's a psychopath. He murdered a police officer He's at a our house. Scoundrel in his spaceship is a piece of junk. And yeah. you're disappearing with him. Weeks at a time. Weeks, months at a time. I find out now that you're helping the rebels, which right. makes you a fugitive. They've <laughs> trashed my house. I was trying to cook you a nice life day meal. Yes, like, and they trying... came and trashed the house because you're with this yeah. ruffian. You've got bills to pay. You've got a son. And you're trying to overthrow the government? Lumpy misses his father. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just, there's no way any of these Wookiees approve of Han. I don't even know if I approve of Han, actually. I think he is a bad influence on know. Chewbacca. It's really weird. I mean, we're going to find out in that movie. Mm-hmm. But, well, that's true. Yeah. So is this the point where they all just kind of float into outer space and land in, in a weird temple? Yeah. Now we have our Life Day celebration where all the Wookiees have a glowing thing. So and, what happens? And then Princess Leia sings a song. Oh, yeah. You want to talk about cocaine? Like, this oh is God. like Leia is coked out of her mind. And then. You've, so you're an hour and 40 minutes into this, and you're like, okay, that was the most mentally taxing thing I've ever watched. Mm-hmm. It's the weirdest thing ever. Luckily, it can't get any weirder. And then you have <laughs> everyone dressed in weird red robes, mm-hmm. and then Princess Leia starts singing it- to the tune of of the Star Wars theme. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wow, that means John Williams adapted the Star Wars theme from the from, Wookiee Life Day yeah. Carol. Yeah, those John Williams songs you love so much, they're just rip-offs of Wookiee holiday songs. That's like if you saw Guardians of the Galaxy and the theme song was a variation of Good King Wenceslas. <laughs> yeah. So it is like, that just I, nearly knocked me out of my chair. I, I, I'd seen this before, but seeing Leia sing, just glassy-eyed, singing to, with Wookiees to the theme of Star Wars, it's, it's insane. And that couldn't have been Carrie Fisher singing. Oh, yeah. I don't, I don't God, know. God, who knows? You know what? It's so insane. I'll bet it was. Yeah, probably. I'll bet they didn't even tell her to sing. Like, this was just a crazy Studio 54 version of making a movie. It was probably the... I bet if you read a book about the behind the scenes, it's it just is beyond an imagination. Like, you oh. cannot imagine it. Oh, that I want. I kind of do, too. And then I want James Franco to make a movie dramatization of that book. Right. Called The droid artist the the wookie artist the wookie artist yeah that's what i want and then side by side at the end there's scenes of the holiday special and then the wookie artist recreating the scenes mm-hmm. he'd make he wouldn't be a bad Han seth Solo. rogan as lumpy right 
Jonah Hill as Itchy. Right. It'd be oh, the wow. same the same crew. Yeah. Amazing. And then the young Han Solo can play Han Solo. Or right. Chris Pratt. That's finally his chance to play Han Solo. I just thought James Franco could be Han Solo. No, he's got to be the director of this. Okay. Fresh off the uh, 68 Elvis comeback special. Okay, yeah, you're, you're right, you're right. We should review that sometime, too. It's pretty good. Okay. But not, not, <laughs> not to end Star Wars. No, month, but... no, Elvis month. <laughs> Elvis month. God, that it could happen. Fun. We've, we've lost our minds. I know. We're, we, we're we Colonel Kurtz at Apocalypse Now. We are. We just, we've just lost it, I think. We do whatever we want. We do Elvis Month someday. <laughs> so then the reason that people taped this on their $1,000 VCRs is then there's this montage of scenes from A New Hope. Mm-hmm. So obviously people are going to want that because this is before you could get the, the VHS and watch it 100 times. Yeah, this you're... was your only chance to see it again if you couldn't afford the fifty to see it in the theaters. And $1.50 in 1978 money is $3,000 in today money. It's a ton of money. And you think about it. We're spoiled now. We can watch anything at any time, at any moment. But in this, the people, everyone in the whole world had only seen Star Wars twice, once in the theater and then once in their memory. Mm-hmm. So this is, you are watching just to see these little snippets of space battles because this is mind-blowing stuff, you know. You always hear about those people who say, oh, I saw it a dozen times in 1977, but those were the rich kids. Right. When, even when I was a youngin and wanted to see uh, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade and Batman, I still mm-hmm. only saw them once. <laughs> Tickets cost three fifty, and I'm nine years old. Right. How am I going to see those a dozen times? All, but yeah. I am going to tape the behind-the-scenes things on TV. Yeah, that's a lot of money on a nine-year-old salary. <laughs> <laughs> what movie have you seen the most in the theater? Um, I think uh, I saw Wayne's World three times. Which really? is not very much. Like that's not really that's, great God, credibility. That's not a lot at all. I saw Force Awakens three times. I saw Star Wars Special Edition three times. I saw Scott Pilgrim versus the World five times. I saw that also five times. So that's my record. Is that's Scott record. Pilgrim five times? I've I've seen a lot of movies a lot of multiple times. I did. I think my record. I'm almost sure is Pulp Fiction. I saw that seven times. Whoa! But I also saw Scott Pilgrim five times, and I saw Fight Club five times. I did see uh, Rookie of the Year twice in one day. Oh, do you know what? That's where the kid pitches for the Cubs. <laughs> I saw you've God. This is a depressing story. I'm going to tell it. So I had, I was going through a breakup, and I just bought a bottle of whiskey, and I went into a theater on the opening showing of You've Got Mail, oh my God. and I watched it the entire day. I think I watched it four times in a row and just drank in the theater. Just sat in the theater all day. Well, you went. Those were dark times. I saw Rookie of the Year because it was summer and my mom made me take my brothers in the morning. And then in the afternoon, it was my best friend's birthday and they were going to see Rookie of the Year. So I saw that twice in one day. I saw... Pretty good. Oh, I also saw Get Smart starring Steve Carell and Dwayne The Rock Johnson twice in one day. Oh, God. And that was another weird thing where it was like a family thing in the morning and then in the evening, like my friends were doing it. Mm -hmm. But uh, no, you've got mail all day with whiskey. I've only seen that the once. (laughs) On uh, Tom Hanks and Meg Ryan month, where we do Sleepless in Seattle, right. you've got Mail and Joe vs. Volcano. We'll talk about right, that. Right, right. Now, that was, a, that was a rough day in my, my life. It's a ways off. It was a rough breakup. Anyway, the holiday special, it's out there. Don't watch it. Yeah. Just don't. Mm-hmm. And next week, the Ewok Adventure. Yeah, and Return to Endor. 
It's the Caravan of Courage and I think Battle of Endor. Or is Battle of Endor the fight in Return of the Jedi? Oh, is Ewok Adventure the main title like Star Wars is? Is it like Ewok Adventure colon? The first one's called Caravan of Caravan Courage. Of Courage. Okay. And the second one's called like Return to Endor or something. So it is. It is. Yeah. Ewok. It's Ewok movie or Ewok special. Just like the way Star Wars is. <laughs> well, hey, Brighton here. Thanks to B. Arthur for filling in for me today. Thanks, uh, Art. Yeah, it's Sean here. Thanks I, a lot, Art. You did a great job. I appreciate it because I knew what was happening and it wasn't a droid. And I'm going to go soak my throat in lemon and honey. Right. And thank you so much, B. I'm glad to know that you're still alive. And congratulations apparently. on your, your Oscar, Art. 